It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCW, in Sitka. Today is Thursday, November 4th. I'm Meredith Reddick with Raven News. State health authorities reported no new coronavirus infections in Sitka on Tuesday. The seven-day total for the community remains at 17. Statewide, the Department of Health and Social Services reported 660 new coronavirus infections in Alaska through Tuesday. This is down from a peak of over 1,700 cases in late September. In southeast, the leading town on Tuesday was Petersburg with 17 new infections. On the same day, Juno reported 12 new infections. Three more Alaskans have died from COVID-19, putting the state's death toll at 711. There are currently 183 Alaskans hospitalized for the virus. 29 of them are on ventilators. COVID-19 patients account for just over 18% of all patients hospitalized in the state. None of the hostility seen at local school board meetings across the country recently by anti-masking groups was apparent at the November 1st meeting of the Sitka School Board. With zero cases currently associated with the district, the tone was optimistic that mitigation measures are working and that students were making up for time lost in the past year. KCW's Robert Woolsey reports. There is organized opposition to masking in Sitka, but so far the acrimony has been confined to meetings of the Sitka Assembly. In contrast, at the school board, two parents step forward in support of the district's mitigation strategies. KK Prussian was one of them. I just want to say thanks to you guys for really um, doing the right thing with this pandemic we're, li- we're all living through right now. I'm excited my kids are in school. They're learning with a full day of school. They've got their activities that are keeping them engaged in relationships with their friends and keeping them active physically and mentally. The district has had as many as eight cases at one time associated with its buildings this fall, but an in-house testing program has prevented a more widespread outbreak. Superintendent Frank Hauser said that the district was staying the course because the results spoke for themselves. We currently have zero, let me repeat, zero COVID-19 cases associated with our buildings. We know that this could change tomorrow, but it's good news to celebrate today. In addition to masking, the district is following the U.S. Centers for Disease Control's guidelines for social distancing, which recommend three feet of social distancing in schools rather than six feet in other public spaces. Pacific High Principal Mandy Summer said this was a huge boon for her building, which now has over 40 students. We have kids cooking again in the kitchen. This is a big highlight for us. Gosh, for the last almost year and a half, we've been putting meals into go boxes and um, giving them to students that way. And the kitchen's a little bit too small to have students in the kitchen um, with past COVID uh, restrictions. Uh, But now with the three feet of distancing, we're able to have students back in the kitchen and cooking lunches for us. The other building principals reported similar benefits in their buildings. There was consensus among administrators that, despite mitigation measures, in-person school was far preferable to remote learning. Baranoff principal Jill LaCrone said this was the case in her building, even under extraordinary circumstances. So the first and most exciting thing is we survived the day after Halloween with like five, six, and seven-year-olds with not too many problems. Blatchley principal Ben White was also focused on positive outcomes. 
In a reversal of the typical disciplinary phone call home from a principal, White said that he spent last week calling all the parents of eighth graders who were doing just fine. There are like 65 phone calls home out of like 84 families. And that's not to say that the other kids didn't deserve a phone call. Um, but the kids that we try to call home on are the kids who, who almost fly under the radar. You know, they're, they're not flamboyant. They're, you know, they're, they're not demanding of time. They're just kids who are always doing what they should. And it occurred to me that that's more than 75% of the class. The Sitka School Board wrapped up its November 1st meeting in executive session to discuss negotiations with the Sitka Education Association, which represents the district's certified teachers. The unusual Monday meeting was due to scheduled travel this week by several board members to the annual conference of the Alaska Association of School Boards in Anchorage. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The Alaska Department of Transportation says a multi-million dollar road project on Kupranoff Island in southeast Alaska is finished. The state spent $40 million to extend and upgrade the remote road outside of the southeast Alaska village of Cake. It goes across the northern side of the island to a new boat ramp about 12 miles from Petersburg. The DOT's construction project manager, Garrett Paul, says the road opened to the public on Friday, October 29th. It finished up on Saturday with uh, the last remaining items of work, which were redecking and reinstalling new uh, bridge rails on existing bridges out there and demobilizing the camp. So the project is done and the contractor is no longer on site. International company Kiwit built the roughly five and a half miles of new road, along with upgrading over 20 miles of existing roadway on that part of the island. The cost of the construction work was around $34 million. The remainder of the 2012 legislative appropriation went towards planning, design, and oversight on the project. Paul says some cost underruns meant some additional work at the end of construction. The bridge work that occurred in the last couple weeks was extra um, based on some remaining funds that we had. The bridges that were out there are, are 20 years old or more, and they needed some, some help. So we did that. We also put out some signage. The $40 million in state funding was secured by Sitka Republican Senator Burt Stedman. He championed the project as a way to improve connections between Petersburg and Cake and the economies of those two communities. It was questioned and opposed by residents in both communities, along with the tribal government in Cake and environmental groups. Petersburg's assembly sent letters and resolutions asking for hearings on the project, but those never happened. Juno's local governments are steering extra money to some child care providers. These providers are having an especially hard time finding and keeping workers in the pandemic labor market. Being short-staffed means they can't enroll as many kids as they have space for, and that often means running at a loss. KTOO's Jeremy Shea reports that even with higher wages and bonuses that government grants helped make possible, the outlook is not good. Little Eagles and Raven's Nest Child Care Center opened in February of 2020 and has continuously advertised for several openings. Pay starts at a little over $17 an hour, which is on the high end for this kind of work in Juneau. And unlike typical privately owned child care businesses, these entry-level jobs come with tribal government benefits. We now offer professional development courses and classes that we pay for. 
um, as well as, you know, university credits that we would pay for. We have health insurance, life insurance, retirement. That's Executive Director Jamie Shanley. We're employees of Central Council Clinton and Haida, so our benefits are wonderful. We have holiday pay, paid leave, family leave, and we still can't find people. So it's, it's very grim. Since October, she's even been able to advertise a temporary $4 per hour bonus. It's federal stimulus money going through the Central Council of Clinton and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska. She says she could use five more employees, but hasn't gotten a single application for months. There's, there's nothing. Other child care providers in Juneau don't enjoy the tribe's support and can't be as competitive. Discovery Preschool, for example, is offering a $500 hiring bonus, but for a job that starts at $13 an hour. Discovery Preschool and others do get financial assistance through a program the Juneau Assembly started last year, run by the Southeast Alaska Association for the Education of Young Children. Blue Scheibler is the nonprofit's executive director. She says before the city started paying stipends to qualified child care providers, the average starting wage for entry-level child care workers in town was about $11 an hour. Now it's about 13 Which is still not great. I mean, I, it's not even competitive with McDonald's right now. And there's usually no benefits. Not even paid sick days. If you look at no paid sick days in the middle of a global pandemic, it's not a real attractive field to enter. A normal business would probably raise the price of its services to cover its costs. But with childcare, it's easy to price out your customers. If childcare costs more than a parent can earn working, then why work? Childcare as a business model is in market failure. It does not function in a business market. Which is why the city stepped in and started giving childcare businesses grants last year. But the labor problem is tripping up that program, too, because it's based on the number of children a provider serves. Scheibler says every provider participating in the city's grant program is under-enrolled, even though most have wait lists. So they have families wanting to fill their, their empty spots, but they're not able to take any additional children because they can't find staff. It's a circular problem. I mean, most child care centers... They have overhead that doesn't change much if they have fewer children. Their rent is still due. Their bills are still due. Right now, the city's got hundreds of thousands of dollars left over in unspent child care subsidies. On Monday, the Juno Assembly had a brief discussion about what to do with the leftover money. Assemblymember Michelle Hale asked the Senate along to participating child care centers as if they were operating at capacity. Everything we can do to help the child care providers right now is just critical. There were no objections. A lot more federal relief for childcare is on its way, though state administrators have been slow to release it. In Juno, I'm Jeremy Shea. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News.